Faith Church, thank you for joining me tonight. I want you to take your Bible. Go with me, please, to Revelation chapter 13. And I really want you to use your Bible tonight and follow along as we go through this text together. Uh, I have been asked since COVID, uh, has, since, since there's been talk of a mandatory vaccine or at least speculation of a mandatory vaccine about COVID, I've been asked my opinion. Now, I've said this before. You can take my opinion and put 99 cents with it and go, go buy a cup of coffee at McDonald's. So I don't just want to give you my opinion. I do have a lot of opinions. Christian Powell is a very opinionated person. So I have my opinions about vaccines and mandatory vaccines. Uh, let me just clarify a couple of things. Number one, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a physician. Number two, I am not, uh, an, I am not an expert at any of this. Number three, I do not, I do not know it all. I do not even remotely claim to know it all. Uh, there's so much I do not know. Uh, I am not a biblical, uh, eschatological expert. Even though I have uh, tried and I strive in my life to be as much of a resident theologian as your pastor as is humanly possible. But I, I do want to draw our attention tonight to the Scriptures. Because when my opinions fail and run out, and when your opinions and your questions and skepticisms run out, and your view and, and, and my view and, and us uh, conjecturing, uh, oh, when all that fails... I know this truth will not fail. But I have been asked, in light of the talk of the mandatory COVID vaccines, how does that fit into Bible prophecy as it relates to the mark of the beast in Revelation? And again, I'm not a physician. I don't know what that mandatory or if it would ever be mandated, a mandatory vaccine, not sure what the vaccine would entail. But I do know what the scripture says about the mark of the beast. So let's talk tonight. Stay with me. Let's talk tonight about COVID, the mark of the beast, and you. What does all this have to do with you? What is the spiritual truth and the spiritual implication for me, for you, as it relates to us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ in 2020 and the connection that is going on right now with end time events. So look at Revelation 13. Look, uh, beginning in verse 1, And I stood, John said, I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. 
And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon, now stop right there. Remember who the dragon is. The dragon in Revelation refers to Satan. So verse 2 says that Satan, the dragon, gave him, gave this beast, his power and his seat, that means his position, and great authority. We're going to stop right there just a minute. Let me say this, just by way of clarification. Some clarifying thoughts as we begin tonight. First of all, I believe that the end time prophecies in Scripture overwhelmingly point to a literal, visible return of Jesus Christ to this earth. Christ prophesied it Himself. He said it was going to happen. Uh, The apostles declared that it would take place. In the Old Testament, you have prophecies of the visible return of Jesus Christ, the reign of Jesus Christ to this earth. So I believe, personally, my theological, eschatological position that the Bible presents that that will occur in two separate stages. Stage one is what I believe to be the rapture of the church or the catching away or the calling away of the church. The snatching away is literally the word that is used. It's the word harpazo. Uh, In the New Testament, there's not the word rapture, at least the English word. You will not find that word, that English word, used in the New Testament. But that word conveys the same thought as the Greek word harpazo, the snatching, the catching away by force. Uh, I remember some years ago when one of our uh, American troops was taken as a prisoner of war uh, and, and uh, it, it was in the, this recent Gulf War and uh, the, the president authorized the use of a unit, a special forces unit, to come in quickly to where this prisoner of war was. And they went in and by force rescued and took out the POW and brought this soldier to safety. Well, can I tell you that in the same concept that our commander-in-chief, that our understanding of the rapture is similar, that Jesus is going to appear in the clouds, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, he's going to appear and He's going to call our literally snatch us, deliver us, rescue us from this world. So that's stage one. That's the rapture of the church. But then stage two is, I believe, seven years later. The return, the actual physical return of Jesus to this earth at the battle of Armageddon. When that battle takes place, I believe it will be seven years after the literal rapture of the church, that this world will go through seven years of what we call tribulation, the great tribulation. 
that will be a time of God outpouring on this world His wrath. And some will say, well, it sure looks like in those seven years that Satan is in charge. Can I tell you something very quickly tonight? That Satan never has been in charge of anything. God is always in charge. He's always sovereign, even in the seven years of tribulation, we believe. When it looks like that all chaos and literally all hell is breaking out in this world, let me remind you, dear child of God, that God is still on the throne even then, and He is orchestrating His plan. You see, when you read in Revelation 6 and 7 about the bowls of judgment, the vials of judgment being poured out in this world, it's not Satan pouring out the judgment. It's God pouring out the judgment. And it's each one of these bowls. And as that, that, that scroll is broken and open and those seals are broken, with each broken seal, it unleashes another wave of God's judgment. That's not Satan doing that. That's the Lord. And He who claims and, 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 and has divine right and ownership of this world is simply exercising His divine authority to bring judgment. See, we look at things right now and we say, oh, wow, what chaos. Surely this is playing into Satan's hands. Can I remind us? It's not Satan's hands. All these events are unfolding according to the sovereign plan of our great King. He is the king of this world. He's the king of the universe. He controls everything. He is the only God. Satan has no power but that that he is allowed to have by the Lord Jesus Christ. So we believe that after seven years of tribulation that Jesus is going to come back to this world at the battle of Armageddon. And then I want to make this statement. I take personally a premillennial, pre-tribulational view of the rapture of the church. That means that Jesus will rapture the church out before the seven years of tribulation will begin. The seven years of tribulation will be God's wrath being poured out by the Lord Himself on this earth. I also believe that the rapture of the church will take place before the millennial reign of Christ on this earth. And so, in fact, I believe that those raptured saints will actually return with Jesus when He comes back at Armageddon to defeat the armies of the Antichrist, to place Satan in the bottomless pit, and to rule and reign for a thousand years. So let's talk about COVID, the mark of the beast, and you. Now go back to Revelation 13. And quickly, let's look at verse 11. John said, I beheld another beast. Now this is a second beast in chapter 13. Another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him. 
causeth to earth, the earth, and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed, and he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is six hundred three score and six, or six, six, six. So first of all, quickly, let's talk about the mystery. <laughs> the mystery. And I want to say that there is so much, in fact, unknown and shrouded and clouded in mystery and uncertainty, not only when it comes to COVID, but when it comes to the end times when it comes to the Antichrist and it comes to the mark of the beast and the events that will unfold, there is much mystery surrounding these events. But let me quickly say, God did give us truth. And He gave us enough truth so that we would not be ignorant of the main things that He wanted us to be clear about. No wonder Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, he said that, hey, brothers, I would not have you to be ignorant <laughs> I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery. I want you to understand the main things. And even though there are so many details and so much speculation, praise the name of the Lord, He didn't leave us completely uh, in the dark when it comes to what's going to happen in the end times. But there is mystery. And so let me say, you're watching tonight and you say, Preacher, I'm not sure I agree with you. That's fine. Listen, listen, I want you to dig deep in your Bible. And I want you, I want all of us to, to make sure that when we respond and give someone an answer, that we give Bible answers. And so if this study and this little message tonight can cause you and me to dig deeper into the Scriptures and be more settled on our convictions, then praise be to the name of Jesus. So that's the mystery. But then there's a second thought I want us to think about and look at. And that's found in verse 1 of chapter 13, and that's what I call the man. The man. <laughs> what man, preacher? Well, the Antichrist. You see, the Antichrist will be a human. I believe he'll be a man. Uh, I also believe that, as one person said, that I believe that the Antichrist is in the womb of the world. 
I personally believe that it is very likely, very possible, that the Antichrist is alive right now on this earth. Now, again, he may not be, but I definitely believe that the world stage is being set for this one world leader. And we're introduced to him in verse 1, chapter 13. It's interesting because the verse says that John the Apostle, John the Revelator, he saw a beast rise up. Now let me clarify something very quickly. There are two words used in the original Greek language and here in Revelation for the English word beast. We see the first word in Revelation chapter 4 as John sees the angels and he says, I saw these four beasts. The word beast there uh, literally means a living creature. It's the Greek word zoon. It just means a living being, a living creature. I saw these living creatures, these angels, these beasts translated in the English. But here in Revelation 13 in verse 1, that's not the same Greek word used for beast referring to the Antichrist. This particular Greek word used in verse 1 of chapter 13 is a word altogether different. It's a completely different word in the Greek and it literally means not just a living creature. It literally means a dangerous animal. John said, I saw this not living creature. I saw this dangerous, wild animal rising up. This is the Antichrist. He's seen as having ten horns and seven heads. This is terminology that is symbolic of ruling authority. We understand that the Antichrist is going to be the, not just a world leader, he will become the ruling world leader after the rapture of the church. Now I want to give you three words to describe the Antichrist. Number one, he's going to be decisive. Can you imagine, friends, that as the rapture takes place and the immediate evacuation of millions and millions and millions of people, can you imagine what that will do to world economies? Can you imagine what that will do as chaos breaks out all over this world? Someone's going to have to give some explanation. It's interesting, just at that right time, it seems like that the Antichrist will rise to this position of world leadership. And he will be able to, to offer solutions in a false sense of peace. He's going to be decisive. He's going to be an orator. He's going to be able to sway not just the masses, but to sway the world. He's decisive. Number two, he's deceptive. He's deceptive. He's going to be filled and possessed with demonic power. I personally believe that he will actually, even beyond that, be filled and possessed and controlled by Satan himself. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 describes him in great detail. It talks about that he's going to use lying wonders. It talks about the deceivableness of unrighteousness. It talks about that uses the term strong delusion. And even here in this chapter, chapter 13, uh, he that deceived, uh, verse 13, verse 14, talks about deception. 
So he's decisive, decisive, but he's going to be deceptive. But then he's destructive. He's that wild animal. And he literally has his mind set on not just destroying the world. No, 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 no. He has his mind set on destroying Jesus. Can you imagine that, friends? This antichrist doesn't just mean against Christ, but that prefixed anti literally means in the place of Christ. Satan always has his counterfeits. He has his counterfeit Christ. And the Antichrist has as his goal for the world not to worship Jesus, but to worship him. And then verse 11, we're introduced to the false prophet. This is the second beast that comes up out of the earth. The false prophet is the assistant, the main assistant to the Antichrist. So that we have seen the mystery, the man. Now let's look at the mark. Notice verse 16 in Revelation 13. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or their forehead. I don't want to even try to speculate as to what that mark will be. It could be a chip. could be a tattoo. could be some type of thing with our fingerprints. It could be... Um, some type of imaging and identification that is part of our genetic code. Who knows? I don't know. Only the Lord does at this point. But everyone on the earth will have to make a choice, will have to make a choice whether to receive or reject this mark, this identification. Verse 17, and no man will be able to buy or sell unless he has the mark. So let me ask you a question. Does that mean that even those who are saved after the rapture, uh, and I've been asked this, does that mean that believers that will be alive at that moment on the earth, does that mean that they will be forced to take the mark if they want the vaccine? No, no, no. Again, all kinds of speculation about vaccines and all this and how it relates. I do know this about the mark of the beast. This mark is taken knowingly and willingly by those who choose voluntarily to worship Antichrist. No one will be forced to worship who does not sincerely choose to. Now, everything will be structured and geared so that you have one of two choices. You either worship Antichrist and take the mark, or you don't worship Antichrist and you don't take the mark, and that will result in death. But let me say this to you. You still have the choice. Everyone still has a choice to make. So that tells me, in other words, this taking of the mark is a conscious choice and a deliberate decision to worship Antichrist. So that settles in my mind the idea or the theory or the question as to whether or not unwittingly I can take the mark through a vaccine and end up worshiping the Antichrist. Can I say that the answer to that based on biblical truth is no, that's not possible. That's not the same. 
I'm not saying that a vaccine or a chip or whatever else is being speculated. About. I'm not saying that that's not leading the way and opening the door and, and ushering it in. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, child of God, you do not have to live in fear that just because if you do take a vaccine, that that will lead you to worship the Antichrist. No, 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 no. Those that take the mark are taking it in allegiance to the Antichrist. So what's the meaning? Well, let's close with this. What's the meaning for us? Number one, I'd say this to you, friend. Be wise. Be discerning. Don't be gullible. Don't get sucked into every theory that comes down the pike. Be wise. Be discerning. Number two, be ready. Be ready. Be right with God. He's coming. He wants us to be ready. Are you? Are you saved? Are you living right? Are you living holy? And then I'd finally say this to you, friend. Be watching. Lift your eyes up. Because <laughs> your redemption draweth nigh. You keep looking to the eastern sky. I believe the trumpet's going to sound very soon. I don't know when. But God told us to be watchful and be ready. And if Jesus said that 2,000 years ago, good night, how much more should we be ready and watching today? Are you watching? Are you ready? Are you praying for others? Are you trying to get them ready to go with us? God help us. Let's pray together. Our Father, You are all-powerful. You are awesome. Help us not to cower down in fear, but to rise up in faith and to say, Thank God, our redemption draweth nigh. In Jesus' name I pray.